anybody that's looking at information basically has a responsibility for the protection of the whole company and also the protection of its future by looking over the hill, seeing what's next. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to this inaugural episode of Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun, Senior Vice President of Product Development and Strategic Alliances for InterVision. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics to help IT leaders move beyond the status quo. I could not be more excited to be kicking off our new podcast with our guest, Ron West, speaker and executive coach. Hello, Ron. Hey, how are you, Jeff? Doing, doing very, very well. Thank you for joining us today. Business is changing. Technology is changing. The role of the CIO is changing at what feels like a frenetic pace. Ron and I will explore the impact of these changes on IT leaders. Ron is in a unique position to help us wrestle with these questions. He's an executive coach who helps his clients transform and thrive in a chaotic business environment. He is also the author of Corporate Caterpillars, How to Grow Wings. What makes Ron's perspective unique is that prior to becoming an executive coach, Ron held about every C-suite position there is except CFO. Ron, before we dig into the mind of an IT leader, tell us a little bit about what led you to leave the corporate world and enter the world of executive coaching. Sure, Jeff. I'd be happy. Uh, first of all, let me say I am honored to be your first guest. I really appreciate this very, very much. So thank you for that. Um, I, I guess it goes back to uh, at the time many years ago that I started coaching other executives uh, in the different companies I've worked in. I thought I was a great coach. Um, I actually, when I stopped to think about my whole career and started writing Corporate Caterpillars, I realized that companies don't really transform. It's, it's the leaders in the company that transform themselves that gives rise to transformation in the organization. Um, like all great breakthroughs, it seems self-evident now, but, but at the time, it was, it was a completely different way of looking at it. So I went back to school and studied executive coaching because I figured that would be a great tool, a great way to help leaders shift and change and transform themselves so they could do that for their businesses. Um, so I started on that journey about 10 years ago and then finally decided to leave the corporate world behind and come in a different door and be an advisor and a coach, a trainer, facilitator, speaker, all of that for all of these companies that are really trying to transform themselves just to even keep up with changes in their industry. That, that's a great point, Ron. In fact, you, you do talk a lot about transformation in your work, in your writing. Uh, in fact, you've modeled your entire coaching off the tenets of, of transformation. For those in the IT world, digital transformation is one of the hottest topics in IT and in business. What does digital transformation mean to you? Mm -hmm. See, I think transformation is transformation. So unfortunately, digital transformation for some gets too narrowly defined. So let me explain that. One of the dangers in 
seeing that really all we need to do is have you know more um, internet uh, access, more sales driven from the social media, more promotion out there, uh, a stronger infrastructure to try and shift, change, and improve the whole customer experience. And the whole focus gets, gets moved to the technology instead of where the focus ought to start, which is, okay, as a business, what is it that we do differently? What could we do differently? How could we reinvent our industry? And that all starts with transforming yourself. So you have a different form of mind. You're looking at everything differently. So unfortunately, the definition of digital transformation is a bit too narrow. I think if most people are thinking like they just need to digitally transform, they're missing some very important pieces of the jigsaw. Why am I not surprised that you would focus on the people aspect of it? That, that, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, uh, that is so uh, you and so your perspective. And I, and I love that, that the, that the people have to transform. I think it was back in the 1960s when they coined the title Chief Information Officer. And ever since that role has been transforming, has been changing. Uh, but, but I think it's become even more today that that role has to change. When you look back on your interactions with, with IT leaders uh, across the organizations you have led or the, the organizations that you've coached with, how has that role transformed and therefore the, the people have had to transform? That's a great, great question. The interesting thing to me is it's massive. The transformation, the change, the shift on the part of CIOs has been huge. It's a direct reflection of what's been going on in our companies. Whereas it used to be, you know, the department that just kept your computers going on your desk and somehow we had to minimize, you know, maintenance of that and the maintenance costs. It's turned into like an imperative for business. You can't have a business without considering everything digital because that's what really supplies the whole infrastructure for the whole business. So our CIO has transformed him or herself into someone who really has a very wide and deep view of the entire business, but also can see kind of over the hill to what the future brings. Because the interesting thing about the field is, is being in touch with technology kind of keeps you on the edge because you now you know that the world is very volatile, it's very uncertain, it's very, very complex, and it's totally ambiguous. And somehow you have to manage that and bring that view of the world into the business so that they are aware of what can be done um, and what cannot be done from the point of view of the CIO. But, but doesn't it become so incredibly complex for the, for the CIO? First of all, they're, they're tasked with, quote unquote, keeping the lights on. Uh, and then, as you describe it, they're also taxed with uh, being out on the edge, right? Seeing what's coming next. How do how do you coach them to balance those two? Yeah, that's, that's the key question, right? It is a balance because if you're too tied up in trying to preserve your legacy systems or trying to just gently transition between those and something new and different, um, and maybe getting left behind in the industry where other you know, new players in the field don't have those restrictions, don't have legacy systems. They can dive straight in and just take on something new and very different. And, and that's how some of these industries are getting completely reinvented. So the job of the, the CIO is to much more strategically keep a view on what's coming and what they've got in the business as, as a worth 
and value that they can preserve that's worth preserving. Um, but what I find is a lot of people in that role find it very difficult to let go of the, the known and the understood. And if you like the comfortable world of, of what they have in front of them today and put themselves out there. So the whole idea of, of transformation for individual is the way to become more flexible, more fluid, more inclusive, more open. And it actually lines up really, really well with adult development theory that talks about how individuals grow, develop, and transform between these stages, which are called forms of mind in some of the models. There's a huge amount of science behind it now. But what we found is of all of the leaders out there in all of our industries, a full 85% don't get beyond something called the self-authoring stage, don't actually make it to the next stage where they could more readily handle this volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world. So trying to get more flexibility, trying to stay, as you said, balanced between the two, actually is trying to shift them in, in terms of stages of maturity. It can be done. Um, there's forms of leadership development out there now, just starting really, um, that will help leaders like CIOs get to a stage where they can look at the business and keep it keep it held lightly, if you will, so they can find this fine balance between what's coming at me and what have I already got and, and how can I balance the two so I keep my legacy systems going, but I'm not I'm not staying I'm not falling behind what's going on out in the industry. So so it seems like in in order for them to be able to change themselves, focus on themselves a little bit to to help themselves grow. They've also got to be bringing their teams along to a, a much uh, higher level of uh, competency and leadership, so that they can let go of some of those things. How do they? How, how do you see CIOs approaching not only their own leadership development, but the development of those that they? lead and, and work with on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, that's a great question again. Um, the interesting thing is if the CIO begins to take much more of a vested interest in development of their own team, uh, they're far more likely to grow themselves and transform themselves. So it's actually one of the, the hacks, if you will, of transformation is to help others through that same process. So it's a really big deal today to make sure that your team is not getting locked down in just the technology, but that has a real sense of what's going on at a, at a more macro level across the industry um, that are looking for new and very different opportunities. And in that way, the CIO gets forced really to be more open, to be uh, more receptive to something different, looking at things differently. And the, the other thing too is the CIO now has to balance again between developing their own team and really stretching uh, the way they see innovation, for example, and the way they experiment with new ideas, new technologies, and somehow also be very, very persuasive because with the seat at the table, it's got to persuade all the rest of the C-suite that this is a really good move for us. This is the way to go. So yeah, it's, it's again, it's a balance, a very fine balancing act. So your your comment about the uh, the hack of leaders that help others uh, transform can help transform themselves. That, that, that explains to me what was going on in the mid 2000s when you and I were working together, man. 
I'll say that much. I'll say, yeah, I was just really helping myself, actually. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, it was all about you, man. Uh, it sounds terrible that way, but yeah. Uh, no, it's it, not not true at all. Not true at all. Um, it's uh, it, it was an incredible time of of growth for both of us. I think as we as I, as I look back on that on that period. So as you as you think of the the IT leader today, what what skills or 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 talents do they need in their toolkit uh, to be successful today? Great question. So um, one of the the key ideas behind how someone moves from one adult stage of development to a to a very different form of mind um, is really being almost forced to do it. So in a way. What's going on in the world today, this, this huge amount of change and such complexity, it's, it's almost chaos, forces you um, to highlight really gaps in what you can do, what you can't do, and, and what's needed by your position. So, for example, a lot of CIOs sort of feel out of their depth to talk about the business and the industry and even technology in a very persuasive way. So these are skills to, and competencies they, they must develop. They really can't do things the way they did them before without gaining some of these new competencies. So that's a very much the first stage is, if you like, being in that pressure situation where you just don't have all of the tools that you need to do the job. So that's the first one. And then it's really about making sure that you balance what you see as the challenge in your growth, your development, your addition of these competencies, balance it perfectly with support. Because if there's not support from the business people around you, an executive coach, an advisor, a mentor, those kinds of things, then you're not going to be successful. Um, you're going to pull away from the challenges. It's just too much of a challenge. So it's a very, very careful balance between challenge and support. But if you put yourself in a position where you really don't have everything that you need to get the job done, you really feel like you're slightly out of your depth and if I may, I'll, I'll share a quick story. So very early on in my career, uh, and this won't surprise you at all, Jeff, I was really good at saying, sure, I can do that. And I would say that to things that I had no clue how to do them, really, <laughs> no clue. Uh, so, but I put myself out there and say, sure, can't be that hard. I'll, I'll figure it out. And my growth was accelerated by being given opportunities by what I now consider to be some of the best mentors of my life, just putting me in a position where I'm like, wow, so now I've got the responsibility. I've, I've got to somehow be able to do this. And we're not talking here about sort of incremental addition of particular leadership competencies, like the ability to, to paint a great vision, the ability to develop and maintain great relationships with, with peers and superiors and subordinates and the like. I'm not talking about that. Well, beyond that, we're talking about, I can't make the right meaning out of this chaos, so I need to think about this from a very different perspective. And so what I'm talking about is a journey that it's kind of like going from whatever floor you're on in a very tall building and get in the elevator and go up another 25 stories and then take another look. And exactly the same uh, view looks and feels very different. You think about it very differently. So it's that kind of, transformation that I'm pointing out here. 
so you you mentioned mentoring and coaching and and I know you've dedicated the the last several years of your career to coaching but how would you how would you describe the difference between mentoring and coaching and does someone need both okay let me take the last question first and yes you need both basically if you have an opportunity to have a mentor with lots of experience that you don't have, uh, with a very different form of mind, perhaps. Perhaps it's someone that's very much more mature and just is able to look at things much more objectively rather than being subject to it. They're able to objectively look at situation and give you some good advice. Um, One of the challenges, though, of being just a mentor is it really is about giving advice and recommendations. What the coach does is to bring the same out in you. So the coach's job is to create a safe space where you can grow and you can experiment, you can try different things. And the reality is if you can have a coach that's challenging you and supporting you and have a mentor that's also supporting you, you're going to start to build a very strong balance between challenge and support. That's really what's going to fuel your transformation. So I think that's a, that's a great point, Ron. And, and I will say uh, uh, from my own perspective, my own development, uh, I engaged with an executive coach uh, seven or eight years ago now, uh, and it, it changed my career. Uh, it, it was that impactful. And it probably, if I think about it, uh, changed my life as well, because uh, so much of uh, career and personal life are any anymore they're the same. Uh, the other concept that, that I've been hearing a lot about with mentoring is the concept of a board of directors. So not one mentor, but multiple mentors that you meet with occasionally. Have you have you seen that in practice at the executive level? Um. I've seen it in two forms. One is very much a board of advisors where someone's actually gone out, say an entrepreneur in a small business, and actually recruited people specifically to act as advisors to that one individual. And that's worked very well. Um, a very good friend of mine has done that with great results. But the other part of it too is um, the mastermind concept is wholly underutilized by most people. And masterminding's been around for a very long time. And masterminding is when you're sharing with a group of peers who have very different backgrounds and perspectives and experience and expertise than yourself. And you each take a turn to share a struggle you're having, something you're, you're dealing with. And again, you get lots of very, very different, quite unique um, suggestions on how to address your problem works very powerfully. I would say that being in a mastermind group is a very big deal, especially for a, someone who wants to be a CIO or someone that's a CIO in very much a, a large and growing business. That extra perspective is another form of support that really goes along with having your own executive coach and certainly having one or two mentors. This is the way that you build a support network that allows you to take on an even bigger challenge. It gives you the the background and the help, the assistance, and just a feeling of safety that really enables you to take a bigger risk and so to change more, to transform more, to really push yourself forward. Let's let's take it back to uh, to 
another buzzword, if you will, and this concept of digital disruption. And uh, uh, while it is a buzzword, I, I personally think it's very, very real. But I would love your thoughts on what is the CIO's role in uh, disruption, in that digital disruption that, that can and does occur? It's interesting. A couple of years ago, I changed uh, all of my website and the way I presented myself as someone who could help you sort of brace yourself for digital disruption. And I've seen the, the word used in, in a few different formats, but, but it is a very real impact to entire industries. And we've seen some classic examples where industries have been completely reinvented. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest hotel businesses doesn't own any hotels. Um, and so one of the things about digital, digital disruption, though, is that it's, it's a way of talking about what's uncertain. It's a way of talking about I can't really plan cause and effect. I can't base my strategic plan on what happened the last three years because I have no idea what's coming. And so what's talked about a lot is like the impact of AI. And it's okay if you feel like you're leveraging it and you're using artificial intelligence in your business and you're using it very much to help uh, change, improve, um, or differentiate your customer experience from your competitors. That's great. The problem is being being behind the disruption. So you're the one being disrupted by changes in technology. So it's a very real term. It's a very much a warning sign for all of us, and especially for CIOs. Their job is really to try and navigate their way through those turbulent waters. So like Lewis and Clark, on their travels, they really had to concern themselves with this volatile and uncertain world they find themselves in. So they need to be flexible. But at the same time, they need to show leadership. So the CIO's job, I think, is to say, yes, there's digital disruption. Yes, I'm aware of what's around the corner. I'm looking ahead to see what technologies might just disrupt us and what might really substantially change our industry. And I'm making sure that we stay close to those changes, those developments, so that we can anticipate them. And if we do it right, leverage them to position ourselves out in front. So we're the ones if you like, disrupting ourselves in order to stay ahead. So what's the, a lot of uh, IT leaders uh, and leaders in general are encouraged to spend time on innovation. Is there a difference between innovation and disruption? Yeah. Yeah. One should be the response. The other one's the, the, the cause of the, <laughs> the problem. Um, I actually worked for a very, very, very large company and sat down with the president about a year ago. And we we're having a conversation about the, the world at large and all of these disruptions. And I said, well, unfortunately, I think that any company, and this was one of them, any company that has a department called innovation truly doesn't understand it. Uh, he didn't <laughs> like me saying that very much, but he understood. And I, <laughs> right. Um, I'm still working with them, by the way, which is great news. <laughs> and, and so the... Well, the interesting thing to me is that, that if you are continually innovating, meaning you're open to experimenting, you're open to try stuff out, you're trying very small experiments, you're doing a quick sprint, try a crazy idea out, and you're very happy learning from that and then moving on. It doesn't have to have a big outcome. It just gets you more information, more knowledge. If you're doing that, if you're disrupting yourself by being innovative, then you are staying on the leading edge of that disruption curve. 
you're going to be you're going to be staying ahead of your competitors if you don't innovate if you don't perpetually try and reinvent yourself and as the expression goes eat your own lunch then someone else is going to do it for you someone's going to come in take a look at your industry and say well wait this is crazy i can use technology and a different way of doing this to provide either a much better customer experience or much faster turnarounds a much less complex process but a quality product any of those things or, or lower cost and they can move much more quickly so if you're not continually innovating if you're not perpetually experimenting and trying new things you will likely be disrupted at some point i think that's a i think that's a great point it, it reminds me of uh, a conference that that i used to go to every year i haven't been to now in a, in a few years but it's the mit cio symposium uh, for the listeners out there, if, uh, if there's one do not miss conference a year uh, for CIOs, you really need to look into that conference. Uh, it is outstanding. It gives you this 360 degree view of whatever the topic is that they're wrestling with. And, and it was interesting, uh, Ron, one year uh, we, I was there and you, so you spend the whole day exploring uh, I think it was the digital workplace that year, something something related uh, to that. And at the end of the day, you're standing around at the uh, at the cocktail reception, um, and was with a table of, of people. And somebody there at the table said, "You know, I don't get it. I I did not hear anything today that I can take back and do differently tomorrow." And, and I looked at him and, and I said, oh, my gosh, you missed the whole thing. This is not about what you're going to do different tomorrow. This is about what you're going to do different three years from now. Right. It's that look forward that that we struggle with because we're always focused on the fires of the day. We're always focused on the, the next project or this project. And, and it seems like our approach to innovation becomes very incremental when we do that. Uh, it's a new feature. It's new functionality. It's not a, no, a whole new way to do business. So as the CIO or IT leader, uh, what do you recommend or how do you recommend that they gain enough understanding of the business or their industry that they're in that they can be on the watch for where's that disruption coming from? Yeah, it's really crucial. It's too easy to sideline the CIO to focus just on, well, look, we just need, we need this infrastructure, just take care of the ERP system, get the CRM set up, the HRIS, all those systems, and then everything else falls to product development. And they're the ones doing all the fun stuff. And really what's, what's happening is it's, it's time to just change the definition of that role. Anybody that's looking at information basically has a responsibility for the protection of the whole company and also the protection of its future by looking over the hill, seeing what's next. I think it's absolutely crucial that CIOs have a mindset of like, wow, I wonder what's going on out there. Um, I wonder what's going to happen next. I wonder how this we could leverage this new technology, this new idea that's coming out. Um, and basically encouraging everybody they work with to do the same. So more and more and more, we see the lines blurring between what was traditionally IT and what was product development, um, what's part of the infrastructure management and really blending all those things together. The CIO is the leader of information. That's huge. That's massive. 
And the role is critical for us to avoid disruption and try and stay ahead of the curve. It's a big role. I think you I think you really nailed it there. What what I what I heard you saying is that a lot of people get into IT because they're curious. They're curious about how things work, they're curious about the new technology, and what you're suggesting is to not only continue to be curious about those things, but focus your curiosity on your broader market, your broader industry so that you can be uh, on the lookout for those things when the, when they come your way. Did, did I did I hear that right? Oh, absolutely. That's the word, isn't it? This perpetual innovation is really exercise of curiosity. And the interesting thing, I, I had the joy, the pleasure of coaching the CIO of 7-Eleven. And actually, I did send him to MIT for that, that workshop. Um, yeah, that worked out very well. And the interesting thing was... Um, he would download some technology on his phone and then show people like, hey, have you seen this? We can do this. Hey, they can do this now. And really got the whole C-suite excited about what could be just by being someone who was curious and just downloading a couple of apps and saying, wow, I didn't know you could do this. This is very cool. Hey, why don't we pivot off of this and do something in our business that changes everything? So curiosity is absolutely critical. I, I think one of the other things that has impacted the the role of CIO, and, and I'd be I'd be curious to use that word again. Uh, your thoughts on uh, companies that are uh, creating additional uh, CXO positions? So now we've got the the chief digital officer, we've got the chief technology officer. Uh, what are your thoughts on why companies are creating these other roles in addition to the CIO role? <laughs> wow, that's an enormous question. And what I've seen it do, unfortunately, is the introduction of some of those other roles is, is sidelining the role of the CIO. And it may be in a business where the CIO is seen to be more interested in protecting legacy systems and maintaining them than actually being curious and willing to take a risk and innovate with new products. Um, so we tend to say, okay, well, you just keep doing what you're doing. We'll have a chief digital officer kind of oversee, oversee how we're going to get out to the market. And that becomes more of a sort of marketing-driven view of the world. And then they realize, well, the company is not changing the way it does business fast enough to give the right customer experience we're looking for. So they might have a chief transformation officer that's trying to drive change through the business. The reality is, in my view at least, every C-suite member of the board should be doing all of these roles all of the time. They should be looking at things from a marketing perspective, a product development perspective, a research and development perspective, an infrastructure perspective, and an operations perspective. And if you're not looking at all of those things and working as an effective leadership team, a senior leadership team, you're not going to get there. So it falls to the CIO basically to demonstrate, hey, I am the right person. I'm the right guy or gal who can stand up, take a look at what's coming, not just avoid disruption, but leverage technology for our benefit. And I can be the, the champion, the chief curiosity officer who can look for new things and bring them to the business and persuade and influence the whole board to move the company forward. I think it's crucial. It's such a massive opportunity, but anything less than a full transformation 
to a different form of mind is not going to give you someone who is able to handle that much complexity. And that's the definition of this kind of transformation I'm talking about. And, and I intend to publish in the, the new book that's coming, by the way, The Chrysalis oh, Code. Okay. It's very much, ah, <laughs> surprised you. Um, and, and it's very much about uh, how, do you, how do you get there? How do you get this different form of mind so that I can handle chaos and I can hold many different perspectives in my mind at once without conflict? And I can, I can basically keep innovating and I'm okay with the uncertainty of all of that. That's what it means. That that uh, that is indeed a, a challenge for the IT professional who who that that's uncharted territory, right? They're 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 typically not used to to being in that role or being in that mindset. And so, what uh, what action? What what thing can you recommend to those that are listening to this podcast today? What's one thing? If you had to boil it down to one thing. What would you tell them to go do? I'd tell them to get uncomfortable. <laughs> right? So, and you understand, really, unless they're prepared to try something new, think something new, um, be open to other people's ideas and suggestions, however crazy they seem. The whole principle, the mastermind group that we've spoken of, tapping mentors, um, Basically, making sure you sit down with with a very young person and say, tell me about your world. Uh, It's really being open to all of that. But what happens if you can get yourself to be open to all of this unpredictability, this chaos, these possibilities, these new disruptive technologies, it's uncomfortable. So if you're in a position where you feel largely uncomfortable and you don't have all of the, the wherewithal to handle what's coming at you, you will grow into that role. I promise. I've done it my entire career. Um, say yes, and then figure out how to do it later. But for goodness sake, get yourself on the growth edge where you will be uncomfortable and you will be successful. It, it's funny you threw the word edge back in there because I was just going to say what, what you're really talking about is that uncomfortableness of being on the edge. And and the the interesting concept that I, that I think that brings is as a as a technologist as as someone in IT the bleeding edge is always uh, hey you don't want to be there right you don't want to be on the bleeding edge so you're you're encouraged throughout your whole career not to be out there but when you reach a certain point you have to be out there and maybe it's not the bleeding edge but it's pretty doggone close uh, to the bleeding edge so that you can uh, feel that uncomfortableness. You can you can see what's ahead, uh, and living on that edge is is where the leader needs to be. I, I love how you tied that back back together. So, Ron, what's what's one question that uh, I haven't asked you today that I should have? Um, maybe what's changed? What's changed? What what's made it so crazy right now? And we haven't seen this before, that that leading edge, the growth edge, the bleeding edge even is, is getting closer and closer. Look, the, the telephone took 75 years to reach 50 million subscribers. The, the TV took um, 50 years to get to 50 million subscribers. Uh, Twitter reached 50 million subscribers in less than two years. So the world is, is different. The world is changing. It's accelerating. Technology is coming thick and fast. 
it is no longer possible to anticipate what's going to happen next. So being open, being responsive, being curious, as you said, is the only way to handle chaos. So what's changed is everything. Ron, thank you so much for being our guinea pig today. I mean, our first guest. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it. And I've really enjoyed reconnecting with you to discuss the, the role of IT leadership in this world of transformation and change. If someone in our audience wants to connect with you or wants to continue the conversation with you or just to, to learn more about your thinking, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Oh, that's very kind of you. Uh, thank you again for the invitation to your inaugural podcast. I'm, I'm thrilled. And best to reach out on my website, ronjwest.com. It's ronjwest.com. And I'll follow up with any queries that come in, and I'll keep the website updated with what's going on with the new book. So thank you again. Oh, th thank you, Ron. And, and for, for our listeners out there, I, I think you, you heard some valuable insights from Ron today. Uh, you know, he summarized it by telling us and advising us to embrace the uncomfortableness. Uh, some of the other things that he touched on uh, w were to uh, let go of the known and the understood and uh, be out, again, be out on that edge. Uh, I loved the, the hack of how do you transform yourself? Well, you do it by helping others transform. Uh, and then one of the key ones that I jotted down was persuasion becoming good at the art of persuasion as you're working with your internal stakeholders or your external stakeholders. If you've been listening today and you have a thought or an insight you'd love to share, we'd love for you to join this conversation. If you want to learn more or ask questions, feel free to reach out to Ron or myself. I, the show notes will provide links of how to get a hold of us. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.